Who is God in modern America? Pat and our team seek the answer to this question and many more as we navigate life as Christians in America today. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Millennial God Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Samuels, and we do not have a guest today, so it's going to be our first solo podcast episode. Today, I want to talk a little bit about how to share the gospel. We're going to call this How to Share the Gospel Part 1 because we're probably going to go over multiple techniques, multiple methods of how you as a Christian in America today can share the gospel with others. Uh, So I want to start out briefly by talking about sort of coronavirus and the effects that it's had on the church in America. So uh, if you guys are like me uh, or, or really any other Christians in America, I'm sure that your church has been affected by uh, the COVID-19. I'm sure uh, probably at some point your church shut down, it didn't have service, uh, and you really didn't have very much contact with the church, with members of your church, anything like that for a long time. You probably weren't meeting, uh, you probably weren't having Bible studies, there's no uh, pastor speaking, anything like that. Uh, We've seen sort of a, a gradual shift from nothing at all to online services to maybe a mix of online and in person or some churches have gone back to all in person but as we start out i just want to ask you this in your mind which is more concerning the fact that government was able to stop people from going to church buildings or the fact that our churches are limited to buildings themselves throughout the bible we see the apostles and the disciples use places other than church buildings or, or synagogues at the time uh, to meet for church. They used people's houses. They met in the street. They met literally anywhere, and they believed that the church was the body of believers itself, not a building that you go to just to hear a pastor speak. And I'll tell you, I think that there are people in, America, in American churches today and every Sunday that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They sit in a pew, they listen to a pastor talk to them about some sort of humanized morality, but they never truly hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think that if we're going to turn the tide as a nation, if we're going to start to change sort of the social fabric that we currently live in, it really relies on individual Christians sharing the truth because societal change doesn't arise solely from the mouths of pastors and buildings preaching to a small group of people. It comes from individuals going out and telling people about Jesus Christ and truly having change within our society. And so even if churches are telling people about Jesus, very few people or very few churches are teaching people how to share the gospel. They might be teaching that you should share the gospel, but very few teach how to share the gospel with others because, well, quite frankly, they profit from you bringing your friend to church. They don't profit from you understanding how to leave the church and share the gospel with other people and tell them about Christ and start your own church and your house or wherever it may be. And so that's kind of a topic for another time, but... Let's just start by taking a look at why you, just a normal person, not a pastor, not somebody who's been to seminary, not some Bible professor or apologetic or theologian, why you, just a normal person, should be sharing the gospel. So I want to start in Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, and so I'll read those for you real quick. So this is called the Great Commandment, and it says... But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he, Jesus, said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All right, so there are a lot of ways to love one another in this world, to love other people in this world. Uh, You can always help people with physical need. Uh, You can help people in a variety of different ways. But telling people about who Jesus was is definitely near the top of that list. If you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he raised people from the dead, he healed the sick and the blind, and ultimately he died so that everything we have we have done wrong would be forgiven, wouldn't telling people about him be the most loving thing that you could possibly do? I mean, it, it literally changes lives, and it could change somebody's eternal existence. It could determine whether or not they go to heaven or hell for all of eternity. So let me give you a quick personal story about how sharing the gospel is a form of loving others in my own life and, and sort of how I've seen it play out. So just a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was running to grab some food and I stopped uh, to talk to a homeless man that was asking for money on the side of the street. And I told him about Jesus using the same method that I'll explain later in this, in this episode. He didn't get upset that I hadn't given him money. He wasn't frustrated that I stopped to talk to him. Instead, he literally burst into tears right in front of me and started telling me everything wrong that he was doing in his life right now, uh, that he had done previously, that sort of led uh, to his current situation, and how because of his actions uh, in the recent past, he was probably going to go to prison again soon. Uh, but most importantly, he told me that he was crying. He was, he was so overwhelmed uh, because he was so glad that I told him about Jesus. He knew that everything he had been doing was wrong, right? He knew that. Even if somebody doesn't know who Jesus is, they know when they're sinning. They know in their heart, through their conscience, whether they're doing something wrong or not. But he knew uh, now, uh, after I told him about who Jesus was and I told him about the gospel, uh, he knew that there was another way that led to forgiveness. He he finally understood uh, that there was something that made up for everything that he had done wrong. And so he literally wanted to change his life just because he heard for the first time who Jesus Christ was. And that truly is the power of Jesus' love. If, if There's nothing else in this world where somebody will, will completely be willing to change their entire lives and who they are as a human just because of that one thing other than who Jesus Christ is. But anyway, let's look at another reason why we should share the gospel. Quite frankly, uh, it's very simple, because Jesus commands us to do it. Uh, There's a lot of different things in the Bible uh, that are commands versus just things that are maybe what's best for us, right? So uh, I think it's Paul who says, you know, if if it's possible for you uh, to not marry, then it's better to not marry, right? That's not a command from the Bible. That's something that's saying, hey, this is a, if possible, best way for you to live. But Jesus commands us to share the gospel with others. So let's go to... Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Uh, This is usually called the Great Commission. I'll read it for you real quick. It says, And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so 
again, this is called the Great Commission because Jesus is sort of sending out his disciples to share the gospel with others. But one key point that, or key part of this that I want to focus in on is where it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Right? So it doesn't say, come join us. It doesn't say, come to a building and listen to a guy speak. It doesn't say, go and make converts, right? There's a, there's a significant difference between a convert, somebody who just professes faith, and a disciple, someone who truly believes and is following the, what Jesus Christ has set out for our lives, right? It says, go, therefore, and make disciples. And so that command, go and make disciples, is sort of where we take root from the idea that we have to go share the gospel with others. And so before I go into how to share the gospel, let's look at some biblical examples of what happens when we share the gospel uh, with our testimony. All right, so first we're going to go to Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, where Jesus heals a demoniac. And uh, for all of these uh, biblical examples today, all of these verses, I'm going to read them uh, just in case you don't have a Bible in front of you. That way you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and you get to hear uh, at least a few verses for today. So, uh, again, this is Mark 5, verses 1 through 20. So it says, They came out to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gerasenes. Uh, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of, a, out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often bound with shackles, and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about two thousand, rushed down the steep bank to the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled. And told it in the city and the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from the region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go... Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. All right, so this is the first example I want to go through because uh, the demoniac here, he wants to go with Jesus. He wants to leave the area that was called the Decapolis that he was in. He wants to leave uh, this region and go with Jesus, but Jesus tells him, no, stay here and go tell your story to the people in Decapolis, in the Decapolis. And so you might wonder, you know, why would Jesus not allow this guy to come follow him, come with him? Well, if we turn to Mark 7 and 8, we kind of get an answer to that. So uh, in Mark 7, verse 31, Jesus returns to Decapolis. It says, 
uh, and 31, it says, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of Decapolis. So he returns to that exact same region. So if you remember in, in the end of Mark, the people are telling Jesus that he needs to leave, that he needs to get out. They want him to depart from the land because of what they've seen uh, him do in this man's life. And so he tells uh, the, the formerly possessed demoniac, uh, he tells that man, go tell your story. And whenever he comes back in Mark 7, and we see it in Mark 8, uh, that's whenever Jesus ends up feeding the 4,000 with just a few pieces of fish and bread. And so it says in Mark 8 that a great crowd had gathered, uh, and then we know that he feeds the 4,000. And so uh, Jesus really has no contact, uh, no interaction with the people of Decapolis in between Mark 5 and whenever he returns in, in Mark 7 and 8. And so really all that we can assume or sort of draw from that story is that he sent that demon-possessed man into the town to tell his story, just like Jesus told him to, to tell a story to the people of Decapolis. And when Jesus returns, there's 4,000 people waiting for him uh, to, to hear what he has to say because of that man's testimony inside the area of Decapolis. Okay, so let's take a look at a second biblical example of where uh, someone taking their testimony and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through their testimony. Uh, see, let's see what that looked like inside of, the, inside of a biblical example for a second time. So next we're going to turn to John chapter 4, verses 1 through 39. And again, I'm just going to read this just in case anybody isn't familiar. Uh, just so you know, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it, I think it presents a wide spectrum of who Jesus was and also sort of what our response should be uh, whenever we first learn about Jesus. So this is uh, Jesus and his interaction with a Samaritan woman uh, at a well. And so I'll start here in verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, where it is he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, have you nothing to draw water with? And the well is deep. Where did you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become, will become in, a, in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw more water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. 
You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us these things. Jesus said to her, I who you, who speak to you am he. Then, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I, have, I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months? Then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans that t- from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. All right, so uh, I actually went uh, into verse 42 there, but uh, really wanted to, what I wanted to highlight here is, again, we sort of see that Jesus goes, he talks with somebody, uh, and he tells them who he is. And, and rather than having her follow along with him, join the disciples, that kind of thing, she goes and tells her testimony to the people of, uh, of uh, Samaria. And in verse 39 says, Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So again, we see just how effective uh, sharing our testimony or using our testimony and how Jesus has worked in our own lives uh, can help others and can, and can be a way to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And then later on in verse 40. Uh, 42, it says, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. So at first they believe because of her testimony. And then once they experience Jesus for themselves, they understand who he is because of their own faith. And so that's sort of what we're trying to get at, uh, in terms of, you know, why we share the gospel, how we share the gospel. Uh, it, it really boils down to, at least for part one of this series that we're going to go through, uh, using your testimony to sort of share who Jesus is in your life and explain that to other people so that they uh, can understand who he is. And now we'll go into actually how to share the gospel right after this quick ad for our sponsors. All right, so let's get into actually how to share the gospel. So just like I said, I think a lot of churches out there will tell you that you need to share the gospel, but a lot of times we sort of, as an American church right now, uh, we fall short in explaining how to share the gospel with other people, not just that you should share the gospel. Um, and so, like I said, we're kind of going to focus on uh, sharing our testimony today. Uh, there's really two ways that you can kind of go about sharing your testimony. 
Uh, one is what I call the elevator pitch version. It's very short. It's under a minute. Uh, and it's, it's really just sort of getting the message out there and telling somebody very quick, if you only have a little bit of time, sort of who Jesus is and what he has done in your life. The other way is uh, like a long-form interview almost where uh, you're sitting down with somebody and you're really digging into exactly what Jesus has done, not just in terms of sort of big picture, but really like individual specific events in your life, uh, explaining how, you know, he has changed who you are as a person and changed your heart. So today I really want to focus on the elevator pitch. Um, It's really a very short piece. Uh, Like I said, it's under a minute long usually. Um, and so I'll give you guys a quick example of how I do it. And then I'll sort of walk through each individual piece. And then at the very end in the show notes, I'll include a, uh, link to a how to video from some friends of mine. All right. So before I followed Jesus and I knew who Jesus was, I was selfish and I wanted to be in control of everything. But then I learned that God sent Jesus down to earth. He lived a perfect life while he was on earth. Then he died on the cross for everything that I had done wrong in my life. Three days later after he died, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead. uh, And now he sits in heaven on the throne as the king over heaven, earth, and my life. Uh, And so now, uh, instead of being selfish and wanting to control everything, I have joy in my life, and I've recognized that Jesus is the king of my life, and he has authority uh, both in my life and over all of the earth. And so, who is the king of your life? All right, so that's sort of my uh, elevator pitch, how to share the gospel with just a, a very basic, uh, you know, essentially two-word or two-phrase um, testimony. And so, I'll break down each piece. So, Part one is uh, you need to choose two words that sort of describe who you were before you followed Jesus. So for a lot of people, uh, you know, if you came to Jesus later in life, uh, that's pretty easy. You can sort of describe exactly, uh, you know, what you didn't like about your life uh, or who you were before you met Jesus. And then uh, after that, just uh, pick two words that describe who you are after you sort of change your life and follow Jesus. Um, and so, like I said, for me, uh, the, the two phrases that I use uh, are selfish and that I wanted to be in control of everything. Uh, and then after I found Jesus, I have joy in my life and I recognize that Jesus is the king. Um, so that's sort of part one and just understanding or just knowing what those two uh, pieces of your testimony are going to be. Uh, next, I say that Uh, God sent Jesus uh, down from heaven to earth, right? Because that's what he did whenever we talk about, uh, you know, his mother Mary, uh, the virgin birth, everything like that. God sent Jesus down to earth. And then after that, number three is he lived a perfect life. uh, And and that's sort of crucial to who he was. If you start to go back into the Old Testament uh, and we look at, uh, you know, why sacrifices were done and everything like that, uh, they needed to be sort of a perfect, a cleansed, uh, sacrifice. And so that's what Jesus was for all of us. Um, number four is that Jesus died on the cross for everything that I've done wrong. I know a lot of people uh, may insert the word sin into there, but if you're talking to somebody who has never been to church or they weren't exposed to sort of Christianity before, they may have absolutely no idea what you mean by sin. And especially if you're going to share this in maybe another language or something like that, uh, you probably don't even know the other phrase or the other word 
uh, for sin. And so it's a lot easier just to say for everything that I've done wrong. So again, number four is uh, Jesus died on a cross for everything that I had done wrong. Uh, number five is that he rose from the grave after three days. Uh, and so, you know, if you're a Christian, this is sort of core to our belief that we believe that Jesus literally rose from the dead himself. Um, and so, again, that's number five. Number six is that he now sits on the throne in heaven uh, as the king of heaven, earth, and in my life. Um, and again, that sort of my life piece is really important because uh, it sort of determines who is in charge in your life. Um, if you start to talk, you know, whenever I, whenever I talk about my piece, I say I wanted to be in control, and then now I recognize that Jesus is the king of my life. Well, really what that gets to the bottom of is who is determining right and wrong in your life? Who's determining how you ought to be acting, what you ought to be doing? Uh, really, if we determine, if we believe that uh, we are the de- determiners of right and wrong, of morality, of how we ought to act, then we will always end up going down a wrong, the wrong route. We will always worship something other than God, other than Jesus. And so uh, acknowledging that he's the king in your life and then applying that to your testimony is uh, really important. And so number seven would be just sort of the, the second piece of your testimony where you say, you know, because of because Jesus is king over heaven and earth and in my life, uh, now my, you know, now I'm I have joined my life and I recognize that he's the king. Uh, and then finally, number eight is probably one of the most important pieces that uh, maybe sometimes we overlook, and that's a question. Um, and so we, we like to use a question that probes an answer from somebody else. So if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I really want to ask them the question so that they have to sort of consider, they have to ponder uh, what it is that Jesus is doing in their life or if they're, they even believe or not. And so I like to use the phrase, who is the king of your life? Because it sort of gets the root of what they believe. You know, if they believe that they're in charge of their life, uh, then they're probably not following Jesus. But if they say, hey, Jesus is the king, then you sort of know with it, know where they stand. All right, so that is How to Share the Gospel, part one. Uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. If you have any questions, uh, just like always, feel free to reach out. Um, and I, I hope you guys can uh, understand really why it's important to share the gospel, not only from a biblical perspective, but really uh, just in terms of loving others. You know, this is uh, probably one of the most important things that we as Christians can do today is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we can follow his command and make him known. Uh, That's all I've got for for today, so thanks for listening to the Millennial God Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Millennial God Podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe, and if you liked what you heard, give us a shout-out on social media or leave a review. We are available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you want to support this podcast and keep us on the air, click on the link in the show description to find out how. And if you ever ever have any questions or want to reach out, you can contact us at millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. That's millennialgodpodcast at protonmail.com. God bless you.